But will y'all just give a hand for Pastor Bill? Thank you, Chad. Well, it's good to be here. I mean, uh, Deborah and I are from uh, Shreveport, Louisiana. And uh, if you were here last night, you know my uh, kind of my family tree. I'm a Scottish Louisiana redneck. I can't do much about it. Uh, <clears throat> grew up there. Yep, we had flat bottom boats, John boats. We had P rows, and uh, we knew about alligators. So we'll put all that aside. Uh, this morning, I am uh, excited to just share a message with you. I think is it's certainly a timely message for me. Um, uh, how many of you feel like you're in some stage of a transition in your life? <laughs> okay, a few of you. That's good. <laughs> how many of you have either just recently come through a transition period or you didn't see one on the horizon? Yeah, these types of things are part of life, aren't they? We go through transitions. Sometimes they can be jobs that change, positions that change. Sometimes we can be in uh, life seasons where things begin to change on us. It can, it can be transition with relationships or family members that we're going through. Maybe we lo lose a loved one or, or whatever. The thing about transition that I have learned is that it's inevitable and to resist it is really kind of stupid. To live your life trying to avoid seasons of transition is a setup for a difficult, uncomfortable, and, and not a very profitable life. Because change is inevitable. We don't necessarily like it, uh, but it is inevitable. It is going to happen. Now, having said that, I've come to the place in my life that since I know that change is going to happen, I've accepted the certainty of it. And so what I've learned to do is embrace the purpose of it. Because there's a purpose in every change. There's always something that's there that is, is purpose. And when I lean into that and I make a choice, you know what? I can't stop this from happening. So what I'm going to do is I'm going to find the purpose in it, lean into that, and I'm going to benefit from it. I mean, if I have to go through it anyway, why not benefit from it? And you know what makes the difference between us benefiting from a change or a season of transition and not benefiting from it? Choices. How we choose, our attitude, our perspectives. That's what makes the difference. The great transition in the Bible was called the Exodus. In the Old Testament, when the children of Israel came out of Egypt and went into the wilderness. That right there is a beautiful metaphor of what transition is. And it gives us all the dynamics. Some benefited. Many did not benefit and wound up stuck and took a transition, what was supposed to be a transition period, and it became a destination for a generation. Why? Because of choices. Decisions that are made. The Apostle Paul... In uh, Corinthians 10, 1 Corinthians 10 says this about that great exodus. He said, uh, let me just read it to you. It's not going to come up on the screen, but the next scriptures will. Now all these things, and the things he's talking about, are what happened to the children of Israel in the wilderness. 
All these things happened to them as examples. And they were written for our admonition upon whom the end of the ages had come. Paul is basically saying, God recorded in the Bible for us that entire wilderness experience so we could benefit from their mistakes. Now, I'm a strong believer in vicarious learning. Do you know what I mean when I say vicarious learning? Uh, you know, we always say experience is the best teacher. I disagree. I disagree. But if you, if you won't learn from other people's mistakes, the experiences will come along for you to learn. Uh, I worked in the construction trade off and on for most of my life, and I remember the day that I was on a job site, and a guy was changing out an electrical outlet, and he had not turned off the breaker. And I remember watching the sparks fly and him bounce backwards, and I went, hmm, I have an opportunity here. I'm going to turn breakers off before I fool with changing electrical outlets. Now, I learned a valuable lesson without having to have the experience. Right? Life is full of those opportunities. And so that what was recorded back in the book of Exodus, this journey through the wilderness that we know, those of us who have been in Sunday school or we've read through the scriptures and understand, that was a 40-year time period that wasn't supposed to be 40 years long. But see, I've learned to accept the certainty of transition and embrace the purpose of it, but I've also learned that with my attitude in my heart, I can minimize the duration of it. Or I can prolong it. <laughs> so this is what the experience of the children of Israel. However, I think it's important for us to realize that there was a God-ordained period of time that they were supposed to be in the wilderness. There was a God-ordained purpose and reason for them to go, but we don't always recognize what it is. So here, let me read this scripture to you. Exodus chapter 7, verse 16. Exodus chapter 7, verse 16. This is Moses speaking to Pharaoh. And you shall say to him, The Lord God of the Hebrews has sent me to you, saying, Let my people go. Now catch this that they may serve me in the wilderness. But indeed, until now, you would not hear. What Moses says to Pharaoh, this word serve, in many translations, is the word worship. The original purpose, and Moses announced to Pharaoh, let my people go, that they may come out into this wilderness and worship me. They worship their God to see it restored because they have been slaves for over 400 years. They have been enslaved for over 400 years. That affects generations and mindsets and the way they think about life. Now here's the point of where I want to go today. When we're in times of change, it is very easy for us to focus and become fixated on the obstacles and the challenges. Isn't that true? The obstacles and challenges, we can get very fixated on those, and, and they can become frustrating to us, and we can actually lose heart and become discouraged. This is exactly what happens to the children of Israel when the time comes for them to go into the promised land. 
the obstacles seem too great. And they say, ah, it's a great land, but we could never do it. And that was the faithful decision that kept them in a wilderness for 40 years. The original purpose of the wilderness was come out and I'm going to reestablish in you how to worship me. How to worship me. And instead of focusing on the obstacles, I want to speak to you today about thriving in transition, seizing the opportunities. Because in every change, there are opportunities. In every change. In fact, I want to give you four opportunities today that every transition in your life will present. Okay, you with me? Four opportunities. Here's the first one. There will be an opportunity to encounter the presence of God. In every change, every disruption of your schedule, every season of transition you enter into, there is an opportunity for you to encounter God in a way you have not before. And that is significant. That is a significant reality. In the midst of change, the ability, the opportunity to come into an awareness of God's presence. I spoke about this a little bit last night. And that is there is a difference between knowing God is present because he said he would be and our awareness of his presence with us. Right? Because we know the scripture says, Jesus said, I'm with you always even to the end of the age. We know, theologically, God is he's omnipresent. He's everywhere. The psalmist tells us there's nowhere we can go to escape the presence of God. So, Bill, what are you talking about? There is that opportunity to become aware, heightened awareness that God is with us. A heightened awareness this is what happens. We have an opportunity to encounter God in a unique and different way when we're in seasons of change. Because we're vulnerable. And, we're, and sometimes we're desperate. And sometimes the things that might kind of be up here that we would hold up as excuses, they begin to peel away because our need becomes greater than our resistance. Right? And so our, our heart is willing to humble itself in, a, in times of change, especially when we don't understand everything going on around us. Or the obstacles are so great, we feel overwhelmed by it. The opportunity to encounter his presence. That, what does that mean? Well, it means that we, first of all, that we learn to press in. We learn to press in. In times of change, we learn how to press in. Even in discomfort, and even with distractions. How many of you know life has some discomfort? How many of you know that life has some distractions? So we went home last night after the uh, meeting, the service. And my wife is a rabid LSU fan. I'm just going to tell you. Uh, and I mean, I'm a fan, but she puts me to shame. And so we go home, and on our mobile device, she's got the game on. Well, I'm trying to do a few things that I need to get done. I'm on my computer, and I'm like, can you turn that off? It's distracting me. Because I'm trying to hear that. They're being stupid. They're not playing well. That's annoying me. I can't focus on what I need to do. But life has distractions. 
Every season of transition that you enter into is an opportunity to encounter God, to learn how to press in in the midst of distraction, in the midst of discomfort, and find an awareness of God with you that will be life-changing. God wanted them to come out of the wilderness, come into this, I mean, come out of Egypt into the wilderness for a season where he could reestablish, this is how you meet with me. There was purpose, and it was significant. In fact, every transition you will ever experience in your life is going to do two things, okay? These are two things in the area of purpose that you can mark down. They're going to happen. Things are going to get exposed in your life that you don't need for the next season. And things are going to get established in your life that are essential for the next season. If we go into seasons of transition with the understanding that there is purpose, and one of the opportunities that I can look at and take advantage of is to encounter God in a way that I've not encountered Him before, that I can learn to press in, in times of discomfort, but not just learning to press in. How about learning his ways? In times and seasons of change, we have the opportunity in encountering God that we learn things about God that we didn't realize. We discover things that we believed about God that were not true. <laughs> and we discover things about God that are revolutionary in our lives. It's in those times of pressing in and focusing on our opportunity to encounter God that we actually begin to discover who He really is, not who we've heard He was. Depending on your background, your religious upbringing, I said this last night, but it's something I say pretty regular, and that is this. We all come with baggage. Our families helped us pack, and that includes our church families. So depending on the background that you come from, you may have a view of God that isn't really an accurate view at all. You may be dealing with things that you don't have to deal with. You may be struggling with things as far as your relationship with God that aren't necessary. They're simply based in a misunderstanding or a not knowing who he really is. Can I tell you how you can know who God is and what he's like? Look at Jesus. He was the full expression of the Father in the earth. I was challenged to do this some years back during a really serious transition in my life. I went back and started reading the Gospels just over and over, saying, Lord, how did Jesus interact in his culture? How did he, what was he like? And three things showed up in my mind. I kept seeing him over and over and over again. He was real. He was authentic and genuine. Everywhere he went, he was himself. He was relational. That meant he was approachable. People could come in and out of his... He was just such a relational person. And he was redemptive. Because everyone he encountered, he treated with kindness, spoke to the potential in them, and, and released a redemptive heart towards them. That's life-changing when we realize that he was merely expressing the heart of his father because he said, I don't do anything if, unless I see my father do it. I don't say things unless I hear my father saying them. So Jesus becomes our picture of what the father is like. 
He's not the old gray-bearded man who's cranky with lightning bolts in his hand. Be honest, how many times have you done something or had something happen to you and the first thought was, what did I do that brought this on myself? God's judging me. Yep. You see, in transition, there's an opportunity to encounter God in a different way. And we not only just learn to press in, we learn what He's like, who He is, what He's about. And it's transformational. You, do you know that originally God's desire was to have a nation of priests? That all the children of Israel would be priests who would come and go out of His presence? But they were fearful. And in essence, they elected Moses to go do that part for them, right? But God's heart, who God is, he's always wanted a people who could come into his presence and know him. So it's important. Um, they feared about it. Re Here's the thing. Relationship was always God's plan, not ritual. But unfortunately, all forms of worship become ritual if we don't actually meet with him. Like this morning, we raised our hands, some people clapped, we, we sang. We, none of those things are worship. They are all expressions of worship. Right? How many of you have ever, ever been to a concert or seen one on TV, and you can see those exact same expressions at, at, at concerts that have nothing to do with God? Right? So I can lift my hands, I can jump up and down, I can, I can shout, I can, I can sing, I can, I can do all kinds of things. But if I do those things but don't really come into an awareness of God's presence yeah. with me, yeah. I've not met with him, yeah. it's just ritual. It's just ritual. When you're in times of transition, the opportunity to encounter God means we go beyond just rituals. We actually encounter God, and it's changing. It's, it's transformational in our lives. So the first opportunity that every transition offers us is the opportunity to encounter God. Here's the second one. Every transition gives us the opportunity to examine our priorities. Have you noticed that when something happens, either to your job or whatever, you have to, you're forced to start looking at what's your priorities? Okay, we can only pay so much. Which ones are first? You know, I mean, this is, this is life, is it not? This whole area is going through a time where everyone's having to examine their priorities. In times of change with the, the kind of uh, destruction and stuff that happened in this area, we drove around. Uh, yesterday, Pastor Chad took us around and we saw just these huge heaping piles of debris that, were, that was once people's belongings. And in times like this, examining what our priorities are, it, it's just, it just happens. So in every season of transition, that's an opportunity to examine our priorities, which means first adjusting our attitudes. <laughs> we adjust our attitude. What was important before the transition began may not be as important now that we're in it. Do you think there were people, maybe even people in this room, that prior 
to Hurricane Harvey. Certain things were extremely important to them. Now, after Hurricane Harvey and some of the destruction, things, different things are more important. Yeah. Every transition gives us an opportunity to evaluate and examine our priorities, which means adjusting our attitude. That could be our attitude towards God. That could be our attitudes toward life in general. But here's one thing transitions do. They reveal priorities. And just because our priorities get revealed doesn't mean they're in the correct order. Unfortunately for many of us, our priorities are centered around our comfort rather than our calling. Bill, that's so easy for you to stand up there and say. Let me tell you a little bit about my year. January of this year, we, my daughter is, uh, was pregnant with identical twin boys, and we were thrilled. In January, we find out that one of them is not receiving the same amount of nourishment as the other, and his chances aren't looking good of making it to term. And so they send my daughter to St. Louis. My wife flies up to St. Louis, six-hour procedure where the doctors go in and they map every blood vessel where it's going, and they literally reroute blood vessels to the smaller child to give him a shot. February, her water breaks at 28 weeks. She goes in the hospital. She's there for two weeks. Again, my wife goes, and she's there, and uh, by the way, there's a pattern that emerges. I get, I'm unsupervised a lot in 2017. <laughs> I just need you to know that's not a good thing, really. I, uh, public safety announcements need to be made when I'm left unsupervised for periods of time. So in February, my daughter stayed in the hospital for two weeks before having to deliver. At 30 weeks, both of the twins are, are born. The smaller one is 2 pounds and 2 ounces. The other one is 3 pounds, 6 ounces. The weights weren't so much the issue. There are issues that happen when children are born early. Things aren't as developed as they need to be. And so we began to discover that the youngest, whose name is Jace, has a hole in his heart that uh, doesn't appear that it's going to close on its own. He has issues with his lungs because they're not fully developed. Pulmonary hypertension is setting in. March, they were born. We discovered these things. Again, upheaval, lots of stuff going on. In April, our dog of 12 years died. And some of you are saying, Bill, that's nothing. No, it was something. The dog was something because he kept my wife sane. And husbands, just telling you, that's a big deal. It also was a, he was, the dog was a focus for all of my wife's maternal instincts. Now guess who's left? Now I'm the target of maternal instincts. I miss that dog. Um, that was in April. In May, 
the place where I was serving on staff, went through a massive change. It's a large congregation, over 30,000 members, over 900 people on staff. In May, over 300 of them stepped into transition, including me. Lots of change. In June, I reread my book, Thriving in Transition. <laughs> I'm not going to lie. It was helpful. It was helpful because I had to make some choices. I can either just try to survive this or I can benefit from this. I mean, I've got to go through it either way, right? I mean, it's here. Transition's here. There's nothing I can do to change that. I get to choose now whether I come out of it better on the other side or bitter on the other side. That's totally my choice. There are things that are not in your control during times of change. Attitude and perspective aren't among them. You do have control of those things. And they are difference makers. So we want to examine our priorities, which includes our attitudes. And sometimes what we discover is many of the things we've set as high priorities are around our being comfortable rather than seeing our calling come forward. Okay? So change, transition. We thrive when we embrace the opportunity to encounter God, and we thrive when we embrace the opportunity to examine priorities. It's not just adjusting of attitudes. Sometimes it's that we need to adopt his strategies. Wouldn't it be great if we adopted God's financial principles before we got laid off? <laughs> that, does that sound painfully obvious? Yeah. Wouldn't it be great if we recognize in a season of change, you know what, we need to adopt God's strategies about our finances. We need to adopt God's strategies about our relationships. We need to adopt God's strategies in our life in regards to our involvement in his kingdom and his plan. Some years back, we were living in northwest Arkansas, but we adopted God's strategy with our finances in a season prior to that, and we got out of debt. Yeah, it's possible. Oh, Bill, I'm sure you didn't have much debt. Yeah, about $45,000 worth. And we got out of debt because we trusted God. We obeyed God. We, we adopted his strategy. Came out of a time of transition, and we, we said, you know what? We've got to adopt this. We've got to put this into action. And we began. We would not have been able to move back to the Metroplex in 2013 if we had not adopted God's strategy for our finances in 2007. What is waiting for you out there that, that is not going to be able to happen if you don't adopt God's strategies for things in your life now? See, that's one of the things that shifts our attitude towards change and transition. When we see this opportunity, you know what? I'm going to embrace this right now. I'm going to adopt God's strategy in these areas of my life because there's going to come a moment when it's going to make all the difference. But if I don't, I'm stuck in a loop. Do you know that throughout their journey in the wilderness, they went round and round and round and round, passing the same old stuff, and how many people's lives look just like that? Well, here we go again. 
You ever said that? Oh, man. Again? Again? When we adopt God's strategies and act them in seasons of change, it breaks cycles. It breaks cycles. Our ways lead to wandering. His ways lead to fulfillment. When we just do things our way, we get stuck in cycles and loops. When we embrace His ways, we break patterns and we break out of cycles. And instead of going round and round the mountain, we get to go up. We make progress. It's important. Here's a third opportunity every transition is going to give you. It's an opportunity to experience his provision. I don't know why, but in our mind's eye sometimes when we think about living within God's provision, we think of it like this. Well, I'm just going to live within God's provision. Now be honest. When you think about, I'm just going to live by God's provision in my life, do you think that's huge or do you think that's a tighter budget? Do you realize that in the wilderness wanderings, even with their bad attitudes, even with their issues, even with the fact that they were not taking advantage of these opportunities, they never went without? If you read the account, their shoes, their clothes never wore out. Some of you later are saying, that is not a blessing. <laughs> they had everything they needed. They would get thirsty, and they began to cr- this complain. And there was one time that Moses struck a rock, and water came out of a rock, and they drank. There was another time that they came upon a source of water, but it was bitter. And they were like, ah, this is terrible water. We can't drink this water. They cut a tree down and dropped it in at the obedience of God, and it turned it sweet. It took brackish water and made it fresh. The provision of God was everywhere for them. There wasn't a food source in the wilderness, so he sent manna, which literally can be in- interpreted as, what, what is this? <laughs> I don't know what that is. But God was training them because remember he told them, just go out and get what you need for the day. Don't take more. Don't try to hold stuff over from today for tomorrow because it'll ruin, it'll spoil. And that's what happened. And then he said, when you come up on the Sabbath, collect enough and it will last and it won't spoil and ruin as you observe the Sabbath. He met their every need. He met their every need. His provision comes for our needs. Our needs. He meets us there as our source. God is supernaturally able to take care of things that are beyond our ability to take care of. In transition, we discover God's ability to provide for us right where we are. Some years ago, we were living in East Texas, and I was working another job to supplement our income, and I was working for a landscaper tree removal business didn't have any insurance. We were working just out of town, and I was on a John Deere tractor, the ones with the six-foot-tall wheels, big big John Deere tractor. 
we're cutting down a bunch of trees and brush and stuff off of a ranch. And I hopped down off that John Deere that morning to clear some branch. And when I landed on the ground, my foot landed partly on a branch, partly off. We call those ankle breakers. And uh, it, was, it was really painful. I, I remember feeling my foot swell inside my work boot. And I thought, this isn't good. I spent the rest of the day driving the tractor with my foot propped up, uh, elevated on the wheel well of the tractor. We got home, and I hobbled into the house, and my only pair of work boots, we had to cut it off because we couldn't pull it off. We looked at my ankle, and it was like, oh, my gosh. It was a, such a dark purple, it looked black. There was no question something terrible had been damaged in my ankle. And... Uh, we don't have any insurance. You know the scripture, the poor are rich in faith? It's true. You don't have any choice. You know what? My faith for healing was much higher before I got good insurance. <laughs> Believe God for miracles all the time until I got really good insurance. And so in that moment, we, we prayed, God, we don't know what to do. I, uh, I missed one day of work. And I was getting ready to go back to work the next day, and I was just going to have to wear tennis shoes because I didn't have any more work boots. But we hadn't told anybody. I mean, nobody knew but us. I got up that morning, put on my tennis shoes, walked outside, and on the hood of my truck was a brand-new pair of work boots in my size. Provision. Supernatural provision. There's nothing quite like when you're at a place where you don't know what you're going to do and you just decide, I'm going to trust God, and you have an opportunity to encounter His provision. It is life-altering when God meets you and God provides for you in a way you could not have planned yourself. Similarly, in that season, I can remember us getting up. Our kids were small. Go to the pantry. Okay. Kids can eat this and this today. Look at my wife and say, it's a fasting day. We're going to meet with the Lord. Only to walk outside, find bags of groceries on the hood of my truck. I don't know why I sold that truck. It seemed to attract <laughs> stuff. That, that was a great truck. I'm, <laughs> lots of provision showed up on the hood of that truck. But it's important that we recognize that. But it's not just that we experience His provision of our needs. We experience the provision of His power. His power to defeat the enemies we face in seasons of transition. His power to overcome the obstacles in front of us in a supernatural way that we trust Him. There's something about the opportunity that is ours of experiencing God's provision in seasons of change and trial and transition that changes us for the better forevermore. You realize that an entire generation with the exception of Joshua and Caleb wandered for 40 years and died in the wilderness. But Joshua and Caleb came out of the wilderness great leaders. They went through the same stuff as everyone else. The difference was they took advantage of the opportunities. And they didn't get distracted by the obstacles.
They saw an opportunity to see God move. And they filed it away, never to forget. Joshua and Caleb saw it. And they were prepared to move on. The others missed it. And they were stuck. This happens to us too often. We get stuck in a season. We can't get out of it. It just becomes a loop and a cycle. But we have an opportunity to see God's provision. Here's the fourth one. Every transition presents the opportunity to encounter God, to examine priorities, to experience His provision, but also to expand our perspectives. I can tell you right now that God is too small in your eyes. And that our perspectives need to be expanded. And in every transitional season of life that you can go through, this is an opportunity. You can expand your perspective of His purposes in your life. Can I tell you that they are bigger than you? They're bigger than you thought they were? So the opportunity to expand our perspective is, first of all, of His purpose. God has a plan. There's something He's doing. There's something beyond that you've quite, not quite seen yet. There's something He's unfolding. There's something He's doing. He's moving the pieces around on the table. He's positioning them for what is coming. And what are we doing most of the time? Complaining that we're being moved. But there's something that's unique when you choose to say, I'm going to allow my perspective to be adjusted because I've learned who God is in His ways. And he doesn't do things just to do them. He has a purpose for everything that he does. So if he's moving me, instead of going, I like it over there. Come on, you know we do it. We go kicking and screaming through every transition of life. But we, he's positioning us for what's coming. And that perspective shifts that says, I'm going to trust God. If he's moved me from there to here, it's because here is where I need to be for what's coming. Attitude, perspective. When we come through times of change, and if you're in one right now, which many of us I'm sure are, perspective really matters. Because if you view transition as punishment, You're going to be unhappy. You're going to be unhappy. If you view it as, well, I'm only going through this because God's just getting back at me because I didn't this or that. That perspective keeps you in a loop. You're never going to break out. But when your perspective shifts because you've begun to figure out that God isn't like that, are there consequences to our decisions? Yes. But His mercies are new every morning and His compassions never fail. Do you know where that wonderful, hope-filled scripture is found? A book called Lamentations. A book whose name meant whining, complaining, lamenting. And that pops up. Your mercies are new every morning. Your compassions, they never fail. That's a significant perspective shift. And that's what happens. It's our opportunity to have our perspective shift. Just as unbelief kept the others in the wilderness, faith is what leads us out. 
faith in who God is and what He does and His purpose. It's also preparation for increase in our lives. Now, we, people always like this. God's all about increase. God's all about increase. He's not about status quo. He's not about staying the same. All you have to do is listen to some of the parables. We don't like it. I mean, we, we really don't like this. Jesus tells a story of talents being given. And when he comes back, he rewards the ones that increased what they were given. And the one who buried it in the ground said, I just kept what you gave me. He took it away from us, gave it to the other. Does that mess with you a little bit? Well, I didn't write it. Don't look at me like that. It's in the Bible. It's in the Bible. God is about increase. John 15, talking about the husband, the vine, the branches. You see his desire is for fruit, more fruit, and much fruit. Why does he prune the branches? Because he hates them. No. No. He prunes them because he wants them to bring more fruit. He will sometimes take the good away so that we can know the better. That's what he does. If we trust him. Because he said clearly, my father is the husbandman. He's the one who does this. So that's where our perspective gets expanded. But not just of his purposes, of, his de of our destiny. What God wants to do with us. He wants us to inherit things. He wants us to fulfill our purpose of being here in life. And you know what? You don't need everything you brought with you for this trip. You want to know why some of us are tired? We're dragging stuff we don't need. <laughs> We're still thinking like slaves. We're not thinking like sons and daughters. I'll, let me close with this story. When I was a kid, we had a 1966 Impala Chevrolet 327 Supersport. That's not important, but it, but it was to me then. If any of you are old enough to remember those vehicles, the trunk of those vehicles could house a small family. They were massive. My parents decided we were going to take a trip to California to see my grandparents on my dad's side. We lived in Shreveport, so this was going to be about a three-day trip. I'm the oldest of four kids, so myself, my two brothers, and my sister, my mom and my dad, <clears throat> and my mom's mom pile into the Chevy Impala for a three-day journey. My mom, had we'd never embarked on a trip like this before, so she didn't really know how to pack for it, so she packed everything. <laughs> the trunk of the Impala was completely full. The floorboard in the back seat had suitcases in it. I rode to California with my knees under my chin. <laughs> and I'll never forget this. We get there, and we're there for a week and a half or something. I think we opened one suitcase. And I'll never forget my mom saying these words. Huh, I don't think we need everything we brought. <laughs> 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 
for fear of, you know, being slapped and, and everything. I didn't say anything. <laughs> but I thought some things. <laughs> really? I just spent the most uncomfortable three days of my life getting out here with stuff we didn't even need in the car. I promise you this morning, some of you have stuff in your vehicle you do not need. And part of God's purpose in transitional seasons is to help you unpack. Help you get some of that stuff out. Every transition has opportunity. I've just given you four. You have an opportunity to encounter God in a way you've never encountered him before. Today. Today, you have an opportunity. An opportunity to examine your priorities and look at what matters. Today, you have the opportunity to experience supernatural provision in your life. Today, you have an opportunity to go out of here with a completely different perspective on the situation that you are in and see it from God's point of view. Today. I want to ask you, if you wouldn't mind, just to stand with me. We're going to pray. Here's the thing about opportunities. If we don't seize them, we miss them. And I chose the word seize on purpose because it means effort to lay hold. It's not like something flowed by, oh, look at that. But that we see the opportunity and we engage ourselves to lay hold of that opportunity. We want that opportunity to happen. Maybe you're here this morning. You're going through a season of life that you don't fully understand or challenges are being put to you you don't understand. Maybe you're here today and you've never really encountered the presence of God the way I was describing. Today is an opportunity for you to come into a relationship with God that he's always intended and wanted for you, but perhaps you have not known. Either because religion told you stuff that wasn't true or led you to believe certain things that you found to be empty in your life. You have an opportunity today to encounter the living God. To embrace Him and have Him embrace you today in a loving relationship where all the things that we've done, that we've messed up, all the things, that it's a safe place for us to say, God, I've really blown this thing. I need help. I need you. And through his son Jesus, he paid the price for all those mess-ups. For some of us in the room today, we have an opportunity to see a great perspective shift as we recognize I get a choice. I can benefit through this. I don't have to just survive it. I can thrive as a result of it. I can come out on the other side better, stronger, full of faith, ready and prepared for the season that's just ahead of me. And it's a time to make some choices. I'm not standing up here as somebody who's got it all figured out. I'm telling you right now, I'm in the midst of these things as well. These opportunities are right in front of me. I'm asking you this morning, one or maybe all four of these is right before you.
the decision to take advantage and to seize these opportunities is yours. Father, I want to thank you, first of all, that you never change. That you weren't being mean to the children of Israel when you brought them out of slavery into a wilderness. In fact, it was one of the kindest things you could have done for them. Lord, thank you that you didn't just take them out of Egypt and throw them into the promised land with the thinking and thought processes and habits of slaves. They would have been destroyed. (laughs) Thank you, God, that in your great plan and purposes, you had a transitional period where you were going to establish some things in them. You were going to teach them things. You were going to help them learn how to interact with you. You were going to teach them how to wage war. You were going to teach them how to have government and order in their lives. You, you set those things aside. You always have our best interests in mind. Today, Father, as we hear these things We're asking the Holy Spirit to help us to seize these opportunities today. Father, I know from experience, you're so committed to getting me where you need me to be that if I don't get it this go-round, you'll re-enroll me. Some of us, Lord, are on our third and fourth semester. But today we have an opportunity to encounter your presence, to examine our priorities, to experience your provision, and to expand our perspective. I pray that we do exactly that today. In Jesus' name. Amen.